I'm your host, Just James, and today we will be looking at the triple cryptid creature feature, Confirmed Sightings. This is episode 19. Welcome back, everyone. Today we are going to be discussing Confirmed Sightings. This book is due to come out June 1st. Pre-orders are available now. You can go to saltheartpress.com. There you'll find all the information, all the links you need to pre-order this. It is a triple feature featuring cryptids and all three stories. And today I will be giving a spoiler-free review of the entire book. We're going to go through all three stories. All right, so the name of the book, Confirmed Sightings. It's got an awesome cover. I'll post it with this recording but I love the cover of this book. And they say all the time, the classic line is, don't judge a book by its cover. But we all do it. You have to, right? We're visual people. You see the book. That's what initially draws you in. And then you read, you know, the blurbs and the, the back pages and all that. And you get an idea about the book. Love the cover of this book because, for one thing, you know you're getting into nothing but cryptid stories. Which is really cool. The the cover itself, it's like it's kind, it's cartoony, it's kind of fun and all that. Which I think, after reading the stories, it's it's not necessarily that it's misleading, but it's not all hokey, tongue in cheek. They definitely use the the backdrop of cryptids in their stories, but these are all three really fun, really cool stories, and they get just as scary and horrific as you want. So definitely something to take a look at, and we will talk about it as we go through each story. So it's gonna feature authors Bridget D. Brave, P.L. McMillan, and Ryan Marie Ketterer. Ketterer, I am sorry if I butcher your name, but I have this problem with anything that ends in E-R-E-R, -E -R, right? So there is a mountain here in East Tennessee in the Great Smoky Mountains called Mount Camerer. -er. Camerer. -er. I can't do it. It's got E-R-E-R -E -R at the end. C-A-M-M-E-R-E-R, -E -R, I believe is how it's spelled. And I always screw that up too. I just feel like I'm adding more E-Rs than are necessary, so I apologize for butchering your name. But I loved your story. So, let's get into it. So again, everyone, these will be somewhat spoiler-free. I'm not going to give away everything because the book's not out yet, so... Out of respect for the authors and the publishers, when this happens, I don't want to give away the whole entire book. Maybe sometime on down the road we'll do a complete review of the whole book, but for now just kind of want to go over what I liked and didn't like about each story, and what I liked and didn't like about how each author writes in their voice and all that kind of stuff. So here we go. We're going to start with Bridget D. Brave has the first story in here. She has a Instagram at BD Brave. She's on YouTube at Wondering Monster and a Twitch handle at Wanmoncast. I don't know how Twitch works, but that's it. Wanmoncast, because I'm lame. So sorry. But that's it. She has stories in upcoming Howls from the Wreckage book that's coming out. It is also available. Look that up. Uh, I already got my pre order in for the. Is it the hardcover? It's the one with the, the, the like spider legged alien spaceship thing. It looks really cool. It's got a whole lot of really great authors, great storytellers in there. So if you haven't heard about that, check that out. Anyway, she has a story in there. She also has a website at bdbrave.com. So you can get all of her information and all of her ats and all that stuff there. So check it out. Her story in this particular book is 
A Pia Saw for Christmas. You might be saying, what is a Pia Saw? Well, I'll tell you, it's spelled P-I-A-S-A. And I have not particularly heard of that cryptid before, so this is cool. I think maybe I've seen it and just did not know that that's what it's called. But a Pia Saw for Christmas, I looked up how to pronounce it, and that's the best explanation I could get. But it's this big, I guess, like, you could call it like a Native American dragon-style thing. It was painted on a rock. It's got horns and a beard with like a dragon body and, and big wings and a tail that has a I think it has like a fin on the back or something like that but just google it and check it out because this will be a running th- a theme throughout each story now it doesn't necessarily mean that the Piasaw appears in each story but it is mentioned in every story but like I said before each story has cryptids in it so when you talk about them of course there's going to be some overlay however each story is very very different from the other ones in the book, which I absolutely loved. This was just such a fun book to read. And the fact that each story was so different and each author is so different just in their writing styles and all that, it, it was really enjoyable for me because you could have a different experience with each story. And that was cool. So this story, A Piasaw for Christmas, starts out and the way it's written is in blog form. So each one is a blog post. I think it's from I can't remember, 2010 or something like that, 2020 something, but it's each one is just an entry into those blog posts. So that's, you know, that's kind of cool. It starts out, with the person who's blogging is, I guess, a socialite is what you would call them. I guess that's the word of what you call people like that, but just like an influencer, socialite type person that has a blog and is trying to just talk about their life and get paid to do stuff like that. So you find out that this individual had community service for something, a speeding ticket or something like that, and was spraying off something, saw the mural or the painting of the Piasaw bird and sprayed it off, and when she did, it released the Piasaw bird, which is a godlike creature, if you don't know, uh, into the world. So it comes out, sees her, and they have this instant connection, and they start dating. I mean, how fucking cool is that, right? It's just, it's just out of nowhere. It's kind of a left-field story, and I loved it. So through our main character's blog post, she instantly starts gushing over her new relationship with the Piasaw, and also like promoting herself and that relationship as if she's something super special now because she has the relationship with this particular god, you know, creature, and I'll say you instantly don't like her. I know I instantly didn't like her because anytime, you know, people like that, you just, there's something about it that, I guess if you want to call it just like this privileged naive, just no clue how things work, and it's all about them, just very nihilistic type behavior, it rubs a lot of people the wrong way. So, great job with that character where just through these blog posts, you instantly don't like this person. I mean, think about, you know, any socialite, you know, a Paris Hilton or a Kim Kardashian or or any of those fucking kids from the beach shows in the early 2000s, whatever those reality shows were called. I'm going to pretend like I don't know what they were, but you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? So... All of those that were, you know, California reality shows, you instantly don't like these people. So as the story progresses, as you read each blog post, the main character goes on about, you know, hey, sorry, I haven't posted in a while, or comes up with these different reasons of why the dates are stretched out the way they are, and this relationship that she has with this Piasaw gets super weird, and they end up moving in together and all the problems that come along with her being a human being of this earth and her dating this interdimensional god creature thing and it is just hilarious but it's also funny because you're going through these different emotions of like okay I don't like this person they're super naive about this relationship and how 
their relationship is everyone else's problem and they almost, you know, they can't wait for it to be other people's problem, right? But the narrator starts making excuses for the, I guess, the behaviors of the Piasaw. So in her relationship, and Bridget E. Brave, the author, does a great job here of putting, talks exactly how you would think someone like this would talk. So there's a couple of different blog posts that you read where she's going in this great long thing about defending herself on social media, and it looks just like your typical you know, middle-aged rant on there about don't tell me how to live my life and what kind of relationship to be in and who's good for me and who's bad for me. And it's just so realistic, but it's just funny because the backdrop is she's dating this cryptid and it's just really cool and it's really well done. Well, as the relationship goes on, it gets increasingly toxic and dangerous and there's murders occurring and there's carnage and all this stuff that circles around that Piasaw bird. And that's why, especially with this one, I think there's such a good contrast of, you know, it's very, that's what I was saying earlier. It's kind of tongue in cheek and it's kind of making fun of some things, but the themes that it's starting to get into kind of roll into this small ball of something that's serious and then it gets more and more serious. And the themes actually parallel any toxic relationship that we all know someone who's been in something like this and it mirrors these relationships almost to a T. So you could put, you know, someone you know in this and the Piasaw bird could be, you know, pick any toxic, you know, Todd or whoever in a relationship with someone where you see someone defending someone who is just horrible, awful, bad for them, going to get them killed, going to get someone else killed. And they continue to defend this person in just, just complete, naive you know, bubble of they can do no wrong. Now in this one, you know, it kind of, it's different because it's this intergalactic God cryptid bird thing. So you don't know if she's under some kind of like hypnosis, mind control or whatever. Their apartment starts to get more and more increasingly weird. It's hilarious. Like the bird builds a nest in the apartment and it just continues to amp up and amp up and gets more and more serious. And before you realize it, you're already kind of waist deep invested in this story and have kind of watched this snowball and there's nothing you can do about it and I think that plays out in the story in the way that she writes it where you as the reader are, are mirroring the I guess the emotions and the actions and the you know what what the people who you know her audience the people that she's writing for are feeling so I don't really want to go too much more into this story because I really don't want to give anything away. I, I really want you to be able to read it and let it build naturally without anything me saying giving you a leg up in the story or ruining any of the suspense that the author, you know, obviously took time to craft. So it's a fun story. I think it was probably the most realistic and relatable out of the three just because of the content it uses like a real person, social media, technology that we use now, kind of our entertainment you know, industry and how we watch these things happen, these train wrecks that are essentially people's actual lives go on. It's entertainment for us. So thought the story was a lot of fun. I, I really like that little sneaky it pulls on you where you think it's going one way and then before you know it, it's super serious. And that's when like the real terror starts. And uh, yeah, I, I, I did like it. I do think though, if you if you are in, you know, everyone does, what are they called now? Like a little warning before a book or something. If you think it might be a trigger or something like that. I found myself, as I read this, it very much mirrors a really bad, toxic, and even deadly 
domestic relationship, a domestic abuse. So if you are sensitive to that, I will say it's not that you can't read it, but that it will definitely stir up these types of feelings in you as you read it. But just remember, it's fiction, it's horror, and it's a pie saw bird. So just enjoy the fucking story. It's good. And that being said, it is by far out of the two, the one that gave me the most emotional response. So I'm obviously not going to grade these stories to say which one's the best. I think the book as a whole is awesome and entertaining and does everything that it's trying to do. But so out of the three, I will say this one was the one that is the most uh, emotionally responsive for me as the reader. So let's get into our next story. The next story is going to be eyeofmoth.exe is the title. So like a program, like you would see on your computer or whatever. It's by P.L. McMillan. I've talked about the author P.L. McMillan in episode 13, so you can go back and listen to that. She has a couple of titles out. Her her writings are kind of everywhere, all over the internet. You can go to plmcmillan.com and get all of those. She has some stuff on there that's free to read. Also, the links to buy all of her different... Um, she has a collection of stories of hers called What Remains When the Stars Burn Out. She has a novella out called Sisters of the Crimson Vine. She has an Instagram author, PLM. She has a blog on her website that you can also follow where she reviews books. She interviews a lot of different authors and people that are in the book writing business. She also has a podcast with Carson Winner that you can listen to called Dead Languages Podcast. They have an episode every Wednesday. Very cool. Her story again is called Eye of Moth EXE. Now, this one, The Piasaw Returns. But not the bird, it's the name of their ship. So this is going to be set in space. So now we have a space horror story, which, of course, is speaks to my heart and speaks to my black galactic soul. So I couldn't wait to read this one. So our ship, the Piasaw, is a long-distance reconnaissance ship for some kind of big-name company. I can't pronounce, like, V-U-L-P-E-S. Vol- Volpes? Volps? Volpes? I'm going to ruin it. Anyway, they work for this huge company. They go out and recover ships for them. They get an emergency message from a mining ship about a space virus. So it's a pretty simple message, but as they talk more and more about it, you realize maybe there's more to this message than than they originally thought. There's a really cool crew. Uh, The author takes the time to really build each one of these characters and... Like, oh man, it's gonna—it's hard to talk about this story without ruining a whole lot of it, so I'm going to try my best. But she does build up all these characters, even though some of them may or may not be with us very long. So I, I found myself attached to some of them, and just as soon as I was hoping they were about to do some cool shit, I end up losing them. I'm like, fuck. But anyway, I will say this particular story, if I had to pick something I like about each one of them, this one had the best main character, my favorite by far. It's... It's a female character. She's badass. Think of characters like Ellen Ripley, Elizabeth Shaw, Kate Lloyd, and Sarah Connor. Those kind of vibes. Those kind of just not not your femme fatale, oh, I gotta be sexy and dangerous, but just someone that's just hard knocks, hard knuckles, down and dirty, scrappy, take no shit, take the lead, you know, person of action, right? So that's really one of the coolest parts in this story so they get an emergency message they decide to go out there and find out what's going on with the ship there is a guy that is a a crew of the piasaw ship that 
recognizes some of the characters that he sees in this emergency messages and he says you know to himself like hey i'm going to try to decode this i feel like maybe there's more to this message i'm going to stay back and see what i can find out what's behind this message so the crew gets those who are responsible for going on the ships and finding out what's going on they go they dock they get on this ship and they believe it's a ghost town but they end up running into some of the crew and i believe the captain and they're telling the captain that, hey, since we are the ones who are coming on board this ship and trying to figure out what's going on, you don't have any say in what's happening here. Kind of, we're the ones that are in charge. But the captain lets them know very quick that they, in fact, are not the ones in charge. And he does that by force. So the story automatically right away starts getting, you know, PL's style of violence and horror and, you know, killing characters off and stuff like that starts to appear very early in this, so that way we know how serious it is almost immediately. There's no drag time in this story, is what I'm saying. So as they're on this ship, and they actually end up getting captured by the crew and put into a prison cell, and they're trying to figure out how are they going to escape, or what are they going to do, what exactly is going on with this ship, why is the captain acting so weird, why are all these things taking place, and through a couple of different means, they finally find out that it has something to do with the Mothman. So the Mothman is the cryptid that's going to come into this story and a whole bunch of crazy shit happens and it's really hard to talk about the story without giving anything away. But let's just say that the program, you know, obviously in the title of it, we know that the program has something to do with the Mothman. We find out that Earth has been either obliterated or it's unlivable or whatever and that happened a really long time ago because they say they found an old Earth ship and wherever they're at in space... You know, it's just unlikely to find an Earth ship out that far. So when they found it, they found this program. And once they started looking at and experimenting with this program, it kind of made people lose their shit. And so the whole ship is just full of people going mad, right? And as you meet different characters, as they're going through the ship and meeting different people, you figure out how they're all affected different. You know, there's danger around every corner you know, it really kind of keeps you on the edge of your seat about what is going to happen, who's going to live, who's going to die, are they going to be rescued, are they going to rescue anyone else, is the ship just going to go up in flames, like, what the fuck is going to happen, so I really liked the, not the tension in this story, but what's it called, the uh, suspense, you know, and the action, there was a lot of action in this that I really, really enjoyed, made the story a whole lot of fun, of course, PL's descriptions of you know, her atmospheres that she's able to build and the relationships with the characters that feel very natural and make you give a shit about them. Uh, of course, that was present in this story as well. But I will say, just as a little teaser, I guess, let's just say that they call it pre-Calamity Earth, I guess, before it was all run into shit. They had discovered the Mothman. And then, of course, what would we do if we discovered something like that? Some type of all-powerful being or something well, you know what we do. We would exploit it. So that's exactly what happened. And maybe that has something to do with what happened to Earth. Maybe that's got something to do with going on with the ship. All I know is you're going to have some interactions with the Mothman in the story. You're going to have some cult stuff going on. You're going to have people losing their minds. And it's just, it's a fun ride, man. It's a really fun story. And also, there are great themes in this particular story about despair and there's even a line in there really cool called A Plague of Despair when it's talking about this Mothman EXE thing. And I thought that was a great line, especially at that point in the story. Uh, I think another character says something, I wrote it down here, says, Like a ship caught in the pool of a black hole, we are drawn to oblivion. And just the 
it's not it's not necessarily like a lot of people think like oh humans equal shit and it's nihilistic and all that kind of stuff it's not so much that it's just that it's a story that takes a look at the human existence and how small it is and how minute and finite it is and when we're looking at the expanse of the whole entire universe and that our own demise will probably be because of our own doing because we can't just leave well enough the fuck alone so i really love those themes throughout this story and a lot of our other stories kind of echo that where you know, no one's making it out of here alive. And even if you do, hope is still sort of lost in the end, right? So you're kind of just like buying a few extra minutes of time, you know, whether that's a couple of years or whatever. But the end is nigh, right? So yeah, definitely like this story. Again, a lot of fun. The tones were a little more serious as far as just because of the setting and all of the different fight scenes and escape scenes and all that kind of stuff. The tension was was built really good the anticipation and all that kind of stuff so the again the main character is probably my main favorite main character out of the whole entire book and yeah there's there's blood there's cults there's mothman there's oh another another aspect in this too was kind of as the story progresses and as it goes on how do i put this out give anything away it the character you hate the most and the one you like the most are almost they're put into a situation to where the only way out of this is for them to work together so i thought that was another cool little little spicy element of the story that keeps you engaged and also keeps those two characters really interesting as they go through the story so there's a lot of different layers to kind of just keep you engaged and make this really interesting when you have this gigantic expansive backdrop of infinite space so very plim of plim to write to write that way so i loved it Let's move on to our next story. This story is written by Ryan Marie Ketterer, er, called Once Upon a Time in Teru. I hope I'm saying that right. That's how I say it in my head when I read it. Teru, Teru, Teru. Once Upon a Time in Teru. Uh, Ryan Marie Ketterer has story. She has a website. You can go to her Instagram at RyanMarie47. She has some stuff written in Cosmic Horror Monthly that you can go and check out. Also has a story in House from the Wreckage. So go on there, look that up. I think I think you can still pre-order that book. I, I'm not sure. But go on to her Instagram. She has a link tree on there where you can go to all her different publications and things that she's involved in. And this story... You know, okay, so the first story was the most realistic, had me the most emotional. Second story, it's, you know, it's space horror, and it's got this badass main character. Those are my favorite elements of this one. This story was so unexpected. I had no idea that this is what I was about to get into. It is a detective novel, uh, kind of a whodunit, old school, you know, uh, dime detective novel and it was done so well because it's all done in this cryptid universe where the cryptids are the main characters so the cryptids are going to be your your people your victims your police officers your gangsters and all this stuff and, and yeah that's right i said gangsters Man, all that stuff is in this story and they're all given to cryptids the whole universe is just cryptids so we have everything from yetis jersey devils you know mothmen mermaids the uh nessie's mentioned in there we have a kraken we have a jackalope oh man we just we have all kinds we even have ones that i hadn't even heard of before i actually had to look them up just to make this episode 
So our so our story starts with a Jersey Devil that I believe is a debt collector for the mob. I believe that's what it said he was. So he's a debt collector for the mob. He's in this city. He's in all these seedy like mermaid bars. There's a whole lot going on with the mermaid. We even have whore houses in this story, right? How fucking cool is that? And so whores is what they call him in the book. I loved it. So this Jersey Devil goes down and he's looking to run the Mothman out of town. And again... These themes are going to go throughout all three stories. However, they're not connected. So, you know, the Mothman from one story isn't the Mothman another. The Piasaw from one story is not a Piasaw from another one. However, all the themes run together, which just kind of helps with, uh, you know, the cohesion of the book so that everything feels, you know, like it belongs in the pages or in the covers of the same book. So this Jer- Jersey Devil goes in. It's very Sin City, very noir. And he winds up. As he's looking for the Mothman, he, he, he comes upon a murder. And who is it that's been killed? Well, it's the richest family on, on the richest side of town, and it's a jackalope. And another part that makes this story a whole lot of fun is the way it's written. So each chapter, it'll have someone's name in front of it, and it'll tell you, almost like you're reading a police report or something, like what time of day or what was going on. So as you read through each chapter, it'll have someone's name. So you might, in the beginning, you'll hear of one scene. And then throughout the story, you're going to hear about that same scene as new characters are introduced and what their experience was in that beginning scene. And I just love that. And maybe that's how all these old detective novels are. I don't know because I haven't read one. However, this one, if they're anything like this, man, I'd love it. And to use the backdrop of these cryptids was just awesome because your main police officer, detective, whatever, gumshoe is a female yeti. So how cool is that? We got werewolves. Oh, we have an... Ahul, is that how you say it? Yeah, I, I I don't know. Have you guys ever heard of that? So there's a cryptid called an Ahul, which is a giant ape bat. How fucking terrifying is that? So I'm glad I learned about that because it's super scary when you look up pictures of that. It's from the uh, the jungles of Indonesia is where that comes from. We also have a Mingwa, which is a big-ass cat cryptid from Tanzania. And this thing purrs instead of growls. So what that means to me is that it enjoys killing things if it's purring instead of growling. So instead of getting angry, it just gets super happy that it's about to throw paw, kitty cat paws with whatever's in front of it. So... Yeah, new fear unlocked with those two, but that's what's so cool about these stories. You know, we just have a lot of fun with these different themes and characters, and this story in particular, it dealt with, I guess, you could say it dealt with class, classism, uh, you know, different kind of uh, socioeconomic things that we deal with today. You know, you have the rich side of town, the seedy side of town, you got the mafia and all these different people and how these different worlds are slowly starting to seep into one another and pollute each side. So each side is just as guilty as the other corrupting the ways of the other side. So with this story specifically, there's not really a whole lot I can say that it that isn't going to give away, not so much give away, but it's going to take away from the flow of this particular story. But after all the stuff I've told you, I don't know what else you need to hear. I mean, we have cool stuff in there. Like I said, we got, we have Kraken Yoga. We have Jersey Devils living in like a slum roost. You know, we got uh, a werewolf who's like trying to honeypot this jackalope. If you know what that means, Google it. Okay, it's Urban Dictionary, it's in there. We have uh, the Jersey the Jersey Devil Mafia, and then on top of that, we have these Mothmen who just sound like a bunch of thugs that are just, like, tearing up the town and trying to claim turf and all this kind of stuff, and they're pretty badass. You know, there's not going to be a whole lot of just 
super brutal violence or anything like that because that's not really what this story is geared to and it doesn't need it it's a whole lot of fun without it and i enjoyed reading it but anyway the author does just a great job of creating this world and this would be awesome really as i was reading through it if it'd be like a uh, one of those cartoon series, you know, where they cuss and there's violence and all that kind of stuff. Just with all the different characters and the situations that they get themselves into. I mean, did I bring up the pus-filled donuts? It's just little touches like that that they do. They have these, again, murhor houses. I bring it up because when I saw that, I was just like, that is the funniest shit ever and I want to see it. <laughs> I don't want to see, I don't want to see mermaids fuck, but I want to see like a murhor house is what I'm saying. But I loved the world. I loved the cast. And all three of these stories were just... It was, it was fun to read. It was a super good time. I'd heard the term, I think, on a podcast somewhere. It might have been Dead Language. They were talking about popcorn fiction. I don't know if this qualifies as popcorn fiction, but it was fun and entertaining like if you were watching a movie. So I don't know if it's the same thing. I don't mean it as a negative if, if that's what that means in the writer world. But So, yeah, check it out. That is Confirmed Sightings is the name of the book. It was published by Salt Heart Press, and you can go to Salt heartpress.com get your pre-orders in they did have a special pre-order package i don't know if by the time this comes out that's still going to be available but go to the website and all questions will be answered there you can also go on to amazon and get your pre-order on there again the authors that are going to be in here is bridget DeBrave, p.l mcmillan and ryan marie ketterer i had a great time with this book go and check it out support indie horror support indie authors i'm just james this is just james horror reviews take care I liked about the story, the things I liked about the way each author uh, attacked each storyline, and that kind of, that's a fucking stupid way to say that. Fuck. Attack a storyline. Just James, and today I'll be covering a book, Confirmed Sightings. Due to come out June 1st, pre-orders available on Amazon. I will be giving a spoiler f- re- fucking free fucking shit. What are they called? Softfoot? What are they called? Fucking, we call detectives. Soft shoe, soft foot, soft green thumb. Hey, but I think these are main to just entertain, and they definitely did. Fuck.